Well, hey, everybody, in this season on The Breakdown, it's big. We're, we're going we're going real big. Real big. Real big. I didn't get the memo on this. Well, no, that's I'm not going to go well because you're going to have to kind of leave <laughs> this conversation. Uh-oh. So season two of The Breakdown is going to be all about Revelation. All right, let's go. <laughs> what do you? You preached about this on Sunday. Like I don't know how was I, <laughs> was I there on Sunday. I don't know oh, how this, this caught good. you off guard. I'm so. just excited that we're starting season two. I'm I'm pumped. Here, here we go. I, I know a lot of people are excited. Apparently, the th- three weeks that we took off, the world came to an end. Can't for... have one small little like, goodness time gracious. Away. And so certain people, they love the breakdown, but then when it's long. They write in. Good job. Look, cheers. Cheers. cheers to the That's exactly there right. There Goodness go. okay. gracious. Um, then they write in or tell us and they're like, uh, a, an hour and a half long breakdown? Come on, guys. I called one of those guys out because yeah. he happens to be on my team on Sunday. We were talking about the breakdown <laughs> and he was on Switcher and I just, uh, the one that shall remain nameless. Nameless. David Holt. <laughs> <laughs> Name <laughs> like, drop. Bro, how, how I don't have the kind of time to listen straight through. I said, your priorities are messed up. Yeah. You, you got to get this exactly. together. So we're going to try to be as clear and concise, knowing that this is uh, this is a little bit different. Yeah. Um, if you're new to the breakdown, just real quick, each and every week, Pastor Nick and I sit down and uh, we break down the message. Yeah. Along with whatever rabbit trails and tangents we get on. Um, but this season, because the whole season is dedicated, um, kind of in partnership with our church walking through Revelation, yeah. uh, we thought, what a great um, opportunity in our digital, highly connected world to say, hey, here is an additional resource, not to replace Sunday mornings, yeah. but in addition to Sunday mornings, whether or not you ever visit, attend Calvary on campus or watch online or listen or watch the message, um, that's not a requirement to yeah. the breakdown. The breakdown on its own uh, the hope and goal is that um, you could still learn, still grow, but having uh, the sermon is just only going to help. Yeah. You know, because there's, you know, how you would preach revelation and how we would study revelation. Those are two different things. Yes. You know, and so where there is s- some Bible study for us on a Sunday morning and, and, but the preaching and the teaching would, is different than this. And there's certain things that we can geek out in, we can dive into the, and even good rabbit trails. Like some people think, Oh, rabbit trails, you're off topic, but like, Hey, let's, let's dive into that topic a little bit more. Where we have a, that. Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't be appropriate per se yep. on a Sunday morning because of, of our philosophy of ministry of discipleship from the pulpit and, and how do we uh, to, you know, the 10 of us that really want to geek out or something like that. Yeah. So that's where, that's where I appreciate the break, the breakdown, because like, as I'm studying for Sunday, now that we have the breakdown, there's, I used to just say like, oh, that'd be really good, but there's no way I could get into that. Yeah. Like I can't bog people down, get yep. lost in the weeds and da, da, da. And, and now I see those things and it's like, Ooh, that's, that's fodder. Let's for get a lost in the weeds. Yeah. That there's, there's some fodder for the breakdown. There's, there's a topic for the breakdown or, you yeah. know, so, so we're going to, we're going to dive in, jump into revelation. Um, and so each and every week, uh, in the show notes, we will tag that week's sermon. If, if you want to go back and watch it or listen to it, we'll give you those options there, but this will just kind of be a standalone thing. If that's what you want. Um, my, my excitement is, um, you know, as we walk through as a church, the book of revelation, uh, it's a book that's widely known about 
very misunderstood and highly controversial. Right up my alley. Right, I know. Right, let's go. And Nick's like, why wouldn't I? It's about this time. Book. Yeah. And like, so for come on for us, um, I just again being concise and jumping right into it. The two things that I, I want to talk about this morning, uh, today, whatever time it is that you're listening yeah. and or watching, um, two things that I personally. Um, from a pastoral level and just as a Christian appreciated about Sunday morning. And so whether you were here, you have listened, have watched the sermon or not, yeah. uh, one of the things I want to talk about was the rules and the groundwork that you laid out for us as we dive into Revelation, because yeah. I I just thought that was so well done mm -hmm. and handled in a way that you just kind of grabbed the bull by the horn, so to speak, and just said, hey, we're going to face this front on, and there's going to be some things you have to lay down. Yeah. So I don't know if I grabbed the bull by the horns. I think more I am the bull with the horns. You know what I mean? No. <laughs> he's my boss. He's, he's, my, he's boss. my boss. He's don't my... say anything. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. So, no, honestly, okay, so it— you would think that you wouldn't have to say things like that, but you need to be able to say things like but that. You, have, yeah. you know, I don't want to walk and assume because we know what that word means. You yep. can define it by the letters that are in it. I don't want to assume that we're all here um, and our main concern is to the glory of Christ, to the unity of the church and to the effective and fruitfulness of the body of Christ. Yeah. You would hope that. But also, um, I've been in church ministry long enough to know, um, who, who was it that said this? I think this is a Francis Chan-ism okay. in his book, um, Forgotten God. And I think yes. he might be Forgotten God or Crazy Love. And I think he might be quoting someone else, but he talks about how Christians are like manure. They are great when they are spread out and into the field and they bring fertilizer, but you keep them piled up and they just attract flies and they stink, you know? And so you heard at, it first here on the breakdown. You heard it first on the breakdown. Christians equal manure. There we go. <laughs> and so, uh, and so you, you would hope that we are all like, Hey, how do I get encouraged? How do I get built up? How do I get, you know, uh, this kind of re-inspired every week yeah. to live the next six days, um, hopefully unto the Lord. And yep. then I'm going to come right back into the church and that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. I'm not looking to, you know, we don't have time clocks here. Nobody, nobody, we don't take attendance. That's you what know. you guys think. That's what you, yeah, <laughs> that's true. And so, um, but I know being in church ministry long enough that it is easy for us to pile up and start stinking, meaning mm. we would rather sit in the holy huddle and yell at each other about our differing theological yeah. beliefs yep. instead of, hey, how do we, how do we be the hands and the feet and the heart of Jesus in the community? Mm. So, so even those rules of the road I'm putting on myself where, and I was sharing this earlier with uh, with a women's Bible study, like uh, any of the big deep dives and the geek outs and the breakdown things that we do, like I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. And, and one of my fears is he's going to look at me and be like, dude, your understanding of revelation. Mm. Yeah, I do believe Jesus is going to call me dude. Dude, your revelation okay. understanding is was spot on and it was perfect. Mm. But you never loved well this community. Like I didn't, I didn't call you to have perfect, you know, theological uh, Bible knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. No, no, no. I would rather stand before the Lord. And he said, Hey, your take on the end times, I was off a little bit, but man, 
did you lead well a church that wanted to mm. impact the community in which they lived? That's good. You know, and so for even for me, the rules of the road for me pastorally in preaching this, like I'm going to have to guardrail myself where, and again, the breakdown is going to provide space for it. But yeah. on a Sunday morning, um, hey, we're not going to go down certain roads because all at all that is at the end of that road is a fight. Yeah. And there's, and, and if, if the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy us is to get us fighting about yep. something, because you know what? I don't believe that interpretation. I believe in this interpretation. Well, great. We can sit here and fight and be a pile of manure. Uh, I almost said something else. Sorry. Um, <laughs> while the, the rest of the world that doesn't even know the conversation is living in brokenness and without the hope and the grace and the love yeah. of Jesus Christ. Like, it's almost like church, know your role. Yeah. Okay. Like whatever we talk about in revelation, never, it will never negate the mission that Jesus has for us. Yeah. Like there's, there is no, um, interpretation of revelation that will negate go and make disciples. Mm. Go and, and be yet, my witnesses. We treat. Oh, we treat it. We, we treat it that way. Yeah. And it's like, so always having it through the lens of who we are, who Christ is, what he's done for us, and how do we respond to him individually and as a church. Okay, now let's walk through each book of the Bible as we preach and teach. And so, yeah, the rules of the road, I think, was needed. But if anything, just to hear a little bit of my heart of how, hey, this is how we are going to respond yeah. as the church. And so I don't know. You want to walk through a couple of? Do you have questions about those? Did you not? No, no. Like those, I, I wanted. No. <laughs> let, let me let me tell you yes. and drag everybody else along how I didn't like. Yes. Let's. Um, no. I, I. For for those that listened or watched, I think it'd be a good refresher. Oh, that's good. Because I think the enemy is already trying. I can't believe Nick said that. I can't believe. I've how dare that. he? I've um, that. But for the people that didn't. Us, or people that are just listening to the podcast to know yeah. that, that that same approach, we are going to take that That's from good. Sunday morning to the podcast and to say, and even maybe more in the podcast where we're going to kind of get into the weeds on the mm. more controversial, where yeah. we wouldn't necessarily stand on stage because we know there's a fight waiting at the end. Yeah. But here, this is kind of the, you can press pause whenever you want and come back to it. Yeah. We can't do that on Sunday morning. Yeah. We have a time constraint. Yep. But here we could have a two-hour podcast or we can do three parts of something mm -hmm. and really flesh out, hey, this is a really controversial view or here's yep. what this means yeah you know and so for you to flesh that out for us and just say hey this this is what we said on sunday morning here's kind of the rules that we laid out because for, for me uh this is how we're going to approach the breakdown not yeah. only like you said for yourself like for yeah. us as pastors for us as leaders we're going to do that together but then for everyone listening like this is our hope for you mm, is that good. you take this same approach and i like that thought like you can pause this and it's good if you hear something that's, I mean, that's even a new question that we were putting in the life group guide is what's something new, something confusing or something that you've never heard before. Yep. You know, like if, if you stumble across that in this study of revelation, especially at the breakdown, like pause, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's time stamped. go study. Let's be the Bereans Acts mm. 17, where, you know, they're, they're listening to Paul. They're going to go back to the scriptures to make sure it is so. Um, and that's always been at least one of my cr criterias is, is we don't need melody, but I would like harmony. Yeah. And, and where we are going to disagree, um, uh, don't approach me with what you think and what you feel yeah. say, Hey, uh, what about this verse here? Or what about this passage? Or, you know, and it's always, and I always bounce everything off the character of God. 
Yep. You know, because I think there is some theological truths that people hold to that I think smears the character of God, yeah. which his theology and his character would never conflict yep. with themselves. And so, so yeah, the rules of the road, number one, was just Christ-centered, you know? And I said that, and everybody was like, duh, Nick, you know? And it's like, like... But it goes without saying. We have to say it. Yes, yeah. Because if we... Again, we don't want to assume that. Yeah. And we, we had a lot of new people there. They yeah. probably don't know how we normally operate mm. where we want to be Christ-centered yep. Yep. in everything that we do, for sure. But even here, and and it's okay for us to walk um, beside some troubled waters. I'm being very poetic right now. It's very unlike you. Yeah, I know, right? And it's okay for us to walk you know, into, like you were saying, like there's a lot of confusion, a lot of disagreements that come through and, and over the book of Revelation. Yeah. Well, don't avoid it then. Yeah. Let's roll in, but let's do it in a way that, because either side, take any theological debate that the, it is known to man. If you would look at those two people fighting and say, hey, uh, we need to be Christ-centered in how we approach this. There's not a theological stance to any theological debate that negates the the call, the high calling for us to be Christ-centered. Mm. And so you can't be a jerk to someone and still be Christ-centered. You can't be bitter and anger and be Christ-centered. But I do a really good job of it. Hey, uh, amen. We do. I mean, we are. No, I... It... And so that's 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 the whole approach there where I I probably will... Um, this is another podcaster that I listened to. It said, it's like, if you're preaching the word of God, um, honestly and truthfully, like you should offend somebody at least once a year. You have at least one sinner in the room. Yeah, at least one. And it's mo mostly the guy up there talking. <laughs> it's mostly him. Everybody else is actually doing really good. It's more of a support group. Like people just keep coming from Hi, the lake I'm area. Nick. They're like, we need to come support this pastor. He is so just crazy. But yeah, like you... Let's just call it what it is, being Christ-centered, we're going to be offended because we have this holy God who was the sacrifice, the substitutionary atonement, there's some big words for you, the propitiation, the name, all those really good, thick theological words, and we're still struggling in our sin and our brokenness, we're going to get offended. Yeah, Be okay with that. Now, we're not trying to be offensive, mm. but we're going to get offended. I'm going to get offended as I'm reading the word and say, that's going to be hard. How do I say that? Yeah. You know, but we're going to go with the word of God. We're going to, we're going to stay Christ centered in it, not just in our interpretation of revelation. Cause a lot of people hear revelation and they run straight to end times, mark of the beast, yep. the antichrist, you know, the 10 horn, seven horn, three horn, all that craziness. And it's like, it's the revelation of Jesus. We're going to stay Christ centered. Mm. You know, man, and I had a little bit of a, a, a breakdown on Sunday talking about how the whole book, you know, uh, in a few chapters bulked together, yep. showing the different uh, attributes of who Christ is, you know, Lamb of God, the righteous judge, the bridegroom, all of that. It, the book is Christ-centered. Which, side note, those notes are, are in the the show notes. Oh, so we're going to so, put, we're going to put that, the, your slideshow in the That's show notes. That's why you have a Jerome right there, so, right? I, I, I make slides, he makes them visible and accessible <laughs> to you, and I'd have no idea. So rules of the road for Revelation number one, Christ-centered. Mm. Um, I was, I was listening, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and they were having some issues in their foyer um, because they have a really nice coffee shop, and they're trying to do a really good thing 
with their coffee shop, yeah. but it, it they're not able to get the coffee out as fast as maybe a Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And, and they put a sign up and they said, patience and self-control and kindness are still a part of the fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Because in case they, you forgot. Because they had people in line in the foyer of the church losing their ever-loving mind, losing their testimony. Let's just call it what it is, over church coffee. Okay, guys, it was it was us. It was us. It and was it was it. me. It was me. <laughs> it, it was, was Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. and it was one of the pastors. And I loved that. And I was like, you know, that is so true because in everything, like, if... If we are allowing, let's because we're in Revelation, if we're allowing our eschatology, our thought of end times, our theology of end times, if that is causing us to lose any of the fruit of the Spirit, mm. you probably have the wrong yep. eschatology. Maybe not the wrong events and the interpretation, but your approach to it. Yeah. Where I think I even said Sunday, like, we have two ears and one mouth. Like, Understand the ratio that the Lord gave Listen us. Listen more than speak. Oh man, and and yeah, oh well, of course that's saying it from the guy that talks all the time. And it's, but but when you think about um, sermon prep for me, uh, I'm taking a whole day of listening. Yeah, listening to the Lord, listening to the Word. I'm reading a lot of commentators, ones that would hate each other. Yeah, absolutely disagree with each other. Like to get a full scope. To of, get a full yep. scope. I want to see the full spectrum. And but I always read those. This is a little side note. I always read my commentary, uh, the commentaries after I make the sermon. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So so some and you know, hey, no shame in the game if people do this. They will read the passage, read commentaries, and then they come up with a sermon because they liked what this guy said and that guy said. And that is true. There's supplemental stuff there. Um, but what I found with me, the weakness is, um, is I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit. What does this Oof. word have for me? And then to go. Because the most convincing thing that a pastor, I think, can do is just share how the word of God is impacting their yeah. life. Yeah. You know, where it's not a TED Talk. You know, and so if anything, if if the only thing that I have is, guys, this is how the word is impacting me, and I want to share that with you, that's kind of my philosophy and yep. preaching. So when people are saying, like we kind of joked about Jude and First yep. John, like, oh, these were really hard sermons, and it was like, you actually just kind of got a snapshot into my heart of how, like, that's what the Lord's been saying to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm preaching with not five fingers pointed out at everybody else. It's I'm looking at my own yeah. heart and just saying like, hey, this is me processing the word of God. And so, but yeah, reading uh, commentators, commentaries that disagree with each other horribly. Uh, and and, and at, at times they even bash each other. And it's like, love it. Come on, guys! Like in the in the reviewing process of their nobody book, caught this. Nobody, nobody caught that. Like nobody thought, hey, hey this... we we could stop here. We don't need this. Yeah, that might be a little unChristian, of you know. But anyway, have you ever heard the story? See, this is the rabbit trails we talk about. <laughs> and uh, pause. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it. It's John Wesley and George Whitfield. I think it's Whitfield is his last name. So they they came, John Wesley, Methodist Church. Yep. He's one yep. star that. George Whitfield, definitely not a Methodist. Um, Furthest thing from. Yeah. And so they they absolutely disagreed. Mm. And But they had a really good friendship, and they would write each other back and forth. And like, how could you believe? And they would, 
they would argue theological points back and forth, back and forth. Well, one of them, and and I don't remember, so just for the sake of the story, um, let's say it was uh, John Wesley. Somebody came to John Wesley and says, you know, do you think, because, you know, this George guy just com- completely disagrees with you, do you think we'll see him in heaven? And John Wesley's oh, response, I loved, he said, nah, we won't. He'll be too far closer to the throne of grace than we will. So even in his oh. disagreement, he saw the righteousness and the holiness. He saw the passion and the zeal for the love and the grace and the mercy of God in his life, Dang. even though they disagreed. So, so do you think we'll see him in heaven? No, not at all. No. We'll be too far back. Like he didn't take the place of, no, we're going to be the front seats and we're not going to look at the He's back way seat. Back back. There. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, no. Like we're going to be so far because he, man, he is a man after God's own heart. Man, how honoring. Yeah. And so that's how, that's how we're going to be. You know, what are you going to say to people that disagree with you? It's like, man, help me in my, help me in my unbelief. Yeah. Because uh, if I ever wrote a theology book, not a Christian book, but like a theology yep. book, um, I would want to name it. Did you ever think that you might be wrong? It's a great title to a book. Every every theology book tells you what they, you should believe and what they believe, and it's like, what if it went the opposite? That way? would go off the shelf just because that'd be one of those <laughs> like I'm interested in reading what this is. Yeah. I may disagree with everything in it, but <laughs> I want to know what this guy has to say. Coming to Barnes and Noble? <laughs> no, not at all. All right. So uh, uh, rule number one: be Christ centered. Number two: rules of the road for revelation. We're gonna lay. We're gonna let the Word of God lead and guide us. Again, well done, Nick. Why wouldn't? It, because some of the things that we're gonna have to do is we got to lay down our topics. We're gonna have to lay down different genres of writing um, and and that interpretation, which I think we're gonna talk about a little bit. But here's the key. We got to lay down our theological bends and preconceived ideas. Yes. All of us have preconceived ideas, right? Yeah. And, and, and that's okay. You know, some people like uh, that are critical scholars that try to attack the reliability of scripture. They'll say, well, the authors were biased. You're stinking biased towards yours. Like, not, yeah. yeah, let's acknowledge the biased we are. But even if you remove the biased, can the word of God stand on its own? Absolutely. Yeah. And so we all walk in with preconceived ideas. We all have some kind of formal training. Let it be. We sat in Sunday school or some of us, our PKs, our parents were. And now we, you know, if we're going to have to disagree with mom and dad of, mm. of old or like me and you with Bible college, like that, I, some of my professors, I think, are the smartest people to ever walk the face of the earth in, in regards to the yeah. Word of God. I don't agree with them 100% on a few things. Like if I was just sitting there, you know, having a cup of coffee with one of them, I would say, walk me through this again. Help, help me. me. Yeah. yeah, help me understand. And that's the key question, I think. Help me understand your view. Yeah. Now, if if someone can't supply ample, good, biblical, scriptural evidence, well, well, I just feel like, okay, well, you know how much weight to put on that. Yeah. And so we're going to lay down those theological bins, those preconceived ideas. Uh, and the thing that I said Sunday that I think in second service, I got a, you know, when somebody just kind of hoop, I can't believe he said the, that. Like that little the air laugh. leaves the room. Yeah. Kinda, a little yeah. bit of a laugh, like, Oh, oh snap. Yeah. Um, I'm asking that we lay down our favorite online Bible teacher. Well, this has been uh episode <laughs> one of season two of the brain. <laughs> And and there's a couple reasons for that. Okay, so number one, this is the same reason I don't uh, preach other sermons at other places. So, so like when I interviewed okay. here at Calvary, yep, everybody and their mother told me take your top shelf best sermon 
and come down here and preach it. Okay. Right. If I get asked to preach somewhere else, I could easily, oh, I love this uh, Jude, the, the third sermon I did in Jude. Yeah. I love that one. I could do that again. Uh, I did that once, right? Um, early when I was a youth yeah. pastor. And I felt I was horribly convicted because I preached it. It was a great sermon. One of my favorites, right? I was like, oh, this is going to, this is going to slap well. This is going to be good. So I go to this other church and I preach and it falls flat. Like it was, I, yeah, it was a square peg round hole yep. type thing. And I'm driving back and I'm just asking the Lord. It was just me, me and the Lord in a minivan. Uh, he let me drive and, um, <clears throat> sorry. He didn't take the wheel. He didn't take the wheel. No, he was like, no, you're on your own, buddy. No. So he's sitting there in the passenger seat, uh, eating a burger. And he says, you know what? Uh, no, but one of the things that he hit me with that hit my heart was, you know why that fell flat, Nick? That word wasn't for them. Oof. I gave you that word for that congregation. I didn't give you that word for this congregation. Mm. And so my, my hope, and I'm going to hope the best, believe the best with other pastors is as they are preparing messages, they're listening to the Holy spirit for what he has for their congregations. Yeah. Now are those smart men out there? Yeah. And we can glean from them. But when we, uh, Holy, just fully drink the water that they're throwing out. Like they're they're writing their sermons, they're preaching for what the Holy Spirit has for that congregation. Yeah. Where studying the same book with hopefully a uh, somewhat educated, well-read pastor in tune with the Holy Spirit. What if the Holy Spirit has something else for us? But we're so focused on our theological preconceived ideas mm. that will miss yeah. what the Holy Spirit has for us. Yep. For for us as Calvary Chapel, Lake of the Ozarks, you know, like this word uh, is for us who call Calvary our home. Now, if somebody lives in another state and they call Calvary their home, great. And, or if you live here and you call another church from, you know, Florida, your home, great. That's a word for you. Yep. And that's where, because I didn't want it to be about who's the most right Mm. Or who do we most agree with? Yeah, I'll go find my theological camp. Yes. and back it up with you. Yeah. And so it kind of plays into to to the rules of the road. Number one, we want to be Christ centered, but we want to be in tune and listening to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But if we're so worried about what this pastor said or that pastor said, it's like that that wasn't for them. Now, can we glean from it? Yeah, I've listened to other sermons and I've definitely have been challenged. But but in a in a the current um attitude, the current atmosphere of Calvary, I think the Lord really does have a word for us um, that I think he really wants to reveal in revelation to us. But if we're so worried about I'm right, you're wrong, and I'm going to sing yeah. the I was right song, like we're going to miss the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And and again, if, we, if, if the enemy can't get us to be not Christ-centered, Where's the next place he's going to come after us? Don't listen to the Holy Spirit, mm. you know? And so, and so even, I, I didn't even say this, so this is just a podcast uh, fodder here. Even me, don't listen to me on a Sunday morning to make sure I'm orthodox to your mm. training. Say, all right, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to be like the Breens. We're going to listen to Nick or whoever's preaching and we're going to go back to the scriptures and we're going to see if it lines up and we're going to go from there yep. and we're going to make a righteous judgment about that. But if what I don't want is a bunch of people come up and saying, Oh, good job. That was right. 
I, I wasn't preaching for the, theological accuracy. I was preaching for spiritual mm. transformation. And just because we're in the book of Revelation does not negate God's uh, passion to see us be spiritually transformed. Yeah. So, so yeah, we're Christ-centered, let the word lead and guide, and then we want to be consistent in our interpretation. And I quoted Nehemiah 8.8, which is one of my favorite verses when I talk about my style of preaching, where Ezra, they had the book of the law, he read it, and it almost kind of has like a paragraph by paragraph understanding, and he just explained its meaning. Yep. And that's all I'm really going to do through Revelation. I'm going to read it, explain its meaning, and then obviously the challenge, how does this apply? Like, So when I wake up Tuesday, how does Revelation 1, 1 through 8, like this morning, how did that word challenge me today? Mm. That's what I want to know. Yeah. So, so those are the rules of the road. Christ-centered, let the word lead and guide, and we're going to be consistent in our interpretation. And obviously, a couple of quotes I talked about on Sunday were, uh, Revelation is an Old Testament Bible study. 70% of Revelation is references or allusions to the Old Testament. Yep. So we're going to have to uh, increase, get our weight up of our understanding of the Old Testament if we want to accurately understand the book yep. of Revelation. Yep. <laughs> Which I just told everybody, oh, crap. I <laughs> and everybody went, about uh, the, yeah. maybe I should have uh, done the Bible in a year and yeah. kept with the Old Testament yeah. and not given up. Uh, um, the, so yeah, rules of the road right there. That's good because that's the same approach that we're going to take in the podcast. Nice. Like, So mean you don't want to fight? Jerron would win. Can we do that? Can we do a poll no, on the breakdown? If we were to, maybe, we're not doing a poll. Hey, maybe if we get past a thousand downloads. Or, That'll be this episode. Oh, I was thinking like, maybe, I don't hit know. Hit some high number. And if we hit that, me and Jerron will arm wrestle on the podcast. I'll no. lose. I'm a <laughs> shrimp. Me too. Um, right, the second thing I want to talk about, yes, and I kind of want to preface it just for, I like transparency and authenticity, but the, the second thing I want to talk about is you talked about the three theological camps Oh yeah. Um, when approaching Revelation yep. and how we tend to pick one mm, and camp out in it. Yeah. And it, it does an injustice yep. to the totality of what Revelation is when we hang out in one camp. Yeah. Um, and so just, I meant to do this earlier for me, um, I've had this incredible nervousness when you announced that we were doing revelation. And why, why are you so nervous, buddy? Okay. So, um, <laughs> as a pastor, here's a therapy session. That's here. exactly right. You say, here's our, you want to so, lay down on the couch? I, that'd be great. Could we record <laughs> on the couch? I might fall asleep and snore. There we go. Um, so as a pastor, as yep. someone who's gone to Bible college, Amen. as someone who basically has grown up in church his entire life, mm -hmm. um, outside of the last week, uh, let's say the last three weeks, I did a little pre-work coming into yeah. it. I don't know, maybe one other time I opened the book of Revelation, yeah. um, which on one hand is sad for many reasons. Um, two, just the... the, the dis, uh, what is the word... The dissension that I yeah. felt within growing up in the church yep. and either hearing people talk about it and it being doom and gloom and only end mm -hmm. times or completely disagreeing from the platform of this is why and here's all the reasons that you need yeah. to agree theologically with me. And then just the, this, the quote unquote scariness of yeah. the book, because that's what I thought Revelation was about. Yeah. Um, and so I've had this, this fear yeah. inside of me, like, 
I'm not qualified. I'm a terrible <laughs> pastor. And so like for me, I call coming, that Tuesday. What are you talking <laughs> it's about? Like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's every day, buddy. Every so for day. me, it's been fun to sit down and have those conversations with my wife to be pushed and pulled and, and to think critically. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, as just an encouragement mm-hmm. to someone who may feel like I've never touched the book of Revelation. Like I've yeah. grown up in church. I've never touched the book of Revelation either. Like I had no idea that there were three theological camps. Like, yeah. you know, and, um, and honestly, you know how many people have already came up and told me that like, even in one sermon, I've already gotten responsive. Like I didn't know there was that much already. And it's like, yeah, cause there, I mean, think about it there, just call it what it is. There's a whole uh, denomination that the, uh, upper leaders of the denomination dictate to the individual pastors of churches what, what they will preach, yep. and they do not touch the book of Revelation in any capacity whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, hmm, a, a book that has a blessing tied to it, a book that is has beatitudes to it. Which I had no idea. Yeah, a book that has it is, is Christ-centered and who he is, uh, and... And it is, it is, it can be slightly confusing without some of that backing of why is there so many camps? How did we even get there? You know, so you almost need a little bit of that prolegomena before it to understand. Oh, all right. Hold on, you can't just throw out words like prolegomena <laughs> yeah, and then just can. pretend like we all know what that means. We're going to have the definitions at the end. I'm going to start doing more editing really, work uh, at the end and start throwing up. So it's like some, some, it's pre-work to get to it. So like, like what we had a little bit in the prologue of just okay. on Sunday, Hey, here's some, uh, pre-work to revelation. Cause not only do I want to say like, Hey, this is the camp I'm in and you, you know, you, you got to, touch the line and not, you know, I I don't want that, but I do want to maybe try to help guide and say, this is how we got here, you know, because that kind of helps. Like why, you know, even if I don't believe in that camp, how, what do they believe? How do they get there? You know, how did they say, you know what, this, this sounds good. And I think that's, I I think it's something my seminary did very well, Veritas out of uh, Santa Ana, California. I think they did that very well in the sense of, okay, let's take something that has two, three or whatever, uh, understand, critique and defend each theological point. And so I could sit with a preterist and say, yeah. I understand. And I could defend it. And they'd be like, oh, you're a fellow preterist. Nope, not at all. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. And they're like, well, hold on. How do you know? It's like, because uh, that's what our training did. And so you'd have to defend and critique each each uh, stance. But then it would the professors would ask us, and then now defend what you do believe mm. and going from there. And I think that really helps a lot because a lot of times, you know, what do we hear? Uh, son, this is what we believe in this house, you know, oh, like we don't deviate from yeah, it. This is, this exactly. is gospel truth. Yeah. Like, uh, the, the movie, Rudy, the football movie, oh, Rudy, great movie. in this house, we root for Notre Dame, <laughs> you know, like eight, eight, and we're talking football. In this house, we are amillennial. Yeah. It, that is it. Honestly, there's a little bit of that I, people, cause it, it's one of those things. Sometimes when they hear the other side, they're like, they almost want to be like, uh, th- that's a false gospel that's because not that's not, and it's yeah. like, you, I understand that you are heavily trained in this camp, but understand that there's others and these are how people came to them, yep. you know, and again, um, whatever camp we come out of does not give us a right to hate our brother. Mm. Say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> in the back. Hold on. Turn the <laughs> mic up. And so, yeah, if we, 
it, we should only be able to, even in revelation and everything that we're going to walk through, it should unite the body, mm. should encourage the body, not tear um, it apart, not tear it apart, not separate it and, and not to fear the body either. Yeah. Like it, it shouldn't, there shouldn't be a fear that comes over. So, so yeah, different uh, theological camps. You were talking about that. I jumped in. I'm sorry. No, you're good. So you, you outlined, that was one of the slides that you mm-hmm. had up when you oh, kind of yeah, geeked out. Camps, yeah. So we'll, again, those slides will be in the show notes, but walk us through mm-hmm. those three theological camps yeah. that we tend to kind of go yeah. all in, you know, okay. so to speak. So there's, because uh, it does, before you start, yeah. it, it does drastically affect how we approach the book of Very Revelation. Much so. Very much so. And you might be aware of it. Yeah. You might not be aware of it. Mm-hmm. But when it's explained to you, it makes sense why you tend to bend or lean a certain way. Yeah. So there's, there's kind of a, there's, there's two, uh, two things going on. First is the book of revelation has three different genres of writing to it. Mm -hmm. So obviously when we read, uh, Psalms or song of Solomon, we know that to be poetry. And so you, you take it with that genre of writing, um, plays into how do we interpret it, you know, narratives, we interpret it differently. Uh, the gospels were written as Roman biographies. You know, they weren't written as fictional tales. They were written as biographies. They're gospels. Letters are epistles. They're, they're written. And so understanding the genre of writing, well, uh, revelation, there's actually three of them. And, and so the first is you have, it's apocalyptic. That's mm-hmm. literally what the word revelation means, apocalypsis in the Greek. And it just means a revealing or an unveiling. Um, but apocalyptic literature, popular in the Old Testament, especially in the culture and the time, uh, like when the Apocrypha was written in the yeah. intertestamental period of time. And so it's very symbolic. And so there, there, there is a lot of symbolism to revelation mm-hmm. and that's okay because our faith is very symbolic. Yeah. We talked about communion. We talked about baptism. Those are, those are symbolic things that we do, but that symbolism has a foundation in a true real thing. So we can't just say, oh, okay, the 144,000 that's symbolic. We're like, well, it's symbolic of what? It has to be symbolic of something if it's symbolism, yeah. you know? And so there are times that there are certain things that we're going to walk through that it's, there's a lot of symbolism. Uh, and other times it's like, no, nah, it's not symbolism. This is where we're going to be a little bit more yeah. literal. Right. And so, uh, revelation, the, the three, um, writing genres is it's apocalyptic, it's prophecy. And in the word tells us this in the first four verses, mm-hmm. you know, you just read it and it's like, okay, it's a revelation, the prophecy and to the churches, it's a letter. So it's an epistle. It is prophecy. And is it a, is it apocalyptic now because of those writing genres and how people approach it, there's three main interpretational kind of views to it. Um, and this is maybe just a little different than what I talked about on Sunday. So how you approach revelation from those writing genres, you know, you're going to look at it, um, in three different ways. Symbolic one is called a preterist view, meaning it's all at the end past tense. It's all been, there's nothing for the future. And then the other is a futurist. And so in, in a very similar kind of way, there's three, uh, main interpretational ways to look at revelation. So one is that preterist view. Mm And, and if there was anything, if I was the furthest from anyone, it would be a preterist okay. view. And so preterist view would say, um, those are the people that say, this is all past tense. This is all describing, let it be symbolic, allegorical, whatever it is. All of Revelation is written specifically just to the church um, in, in that time of 
Nero, heavy persecution. Okay. You know, it, it, it was all pretty much done 70 to 90, 110 AD. Okay. Just like you would read any other letter. That's that was for them. It was speaking to things that were going on then and there. And there's really no application. There's nothing, nothing for us. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of times when people take that preterist view, why would you read it if there's nothing for you today in it? That's hmm. that's that's one reason okay. why there's not a whole lot of study of it because like no that that's not for us. Would you say the majority of people will take that view? Ooh, yeah. Or uh, is there a view? Well, what's hard nowadays, like back in the day, like even like with churches, you know, you had like you had the Baptist, you had the Christian church, you had Lutherans and Methodists, and we all knew who we were and yeah. we all had strong, you know, very defined lines. Now there's such a spectrum. Even that, within. Even within this. Hard so so okay. you could be preterist, you could be partial preterist, you could be and it's like, what the you know, like goodness gracious. Yeah, there's there's a lot. And so think of almost a uh, just a spectrum of color where you're not seeing one color with a line changing to another. It's, it's blending like, into it's that gradient a into a gradient okay. blending in. But the three main views, obviously a preterist would be that one. Okay. Um, and then there's something called the historist or historicity kind of view. Um, and what that is, it's, it leans heavily on the symbolic. And so what they would say is all of Revelation is talking broad brush for the church age. So mm. even the seven churches of Asia that we're going to talk about here in a couple of weeks, yep. they would say those aren't, yeah, those were real churches, but it's symbolizing different ages of the church. Okay. And they would say every thousand years... Is a different is okay. a different word. So if you look at the church in the first thousand years or first whatever block of time, and you read, uh, I think it's uh, Ephesus is the first one up. Yeah, if you read the first part of chapter two and you thought of the early church, that first segment of time for it, um, he, that's what he's writing to. Okay. So, so go to the end of the seven churches. It's Laodicea and the lukewarm. That's the church age that we would be in right now. Okay. So it's not even speaking to direct churches. It's just talking about the history of the church age. Okay. And so that's uh, not my favorite view <laughs> either. Wouldn't line up much with that. And then the last one, uh, what I what I would identify as would be uh, a futurist view. And so this word is prophetic. Okay. You know, so when I see the blessed is one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, um, I think verse 19, which we'll talk about this Sunday, right? Therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are, and those that are to take place after this, like Jesus, because those words are written in red, mm -hmm. gave John the three breakdown of kind of what was, what is, and what is, is to, to come. come. Okay. And when you look at the what is to come, that's a lot there. Yeah. I mean, pretty much after chapter three, everything is prophetic to me that we are waiting for it to happen. And so, and so even, even in that, again, you're going to have a lot of spectrum because um, we're going to look at it from it's, it's apocalyptic literature. Mm -hmm. It's a letter literature. It is uh, prophetic literature and holding all those, but that's kind of your three main okay. ones. And then I think you have the, which is like an unofficial, they're, they're the, they're the ones that say, oh, it all just pan out in the end. What do we care? Mm. And and that's where I I kind of try to in a fun way lean into that. Like it but in all honesty, like if Jesus is revealing himself to us, 
like who are we to walk over? Cause like the word revelation means revealing, unveiling, you know, he's pulling back the curtain on who he is and what he's going to do. Who are we to walk over and say, you know what, Jesus, I'm good. I don't, I don't want thanks, more but no you. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where it's just like, um, you know, t- politely, is that laziness? Is it is apathy? It apathy? Is it fear of like, I, you know, you, you don't have to be accountable or what you don't know, you don't know. Yeah. And so sometimes ignorance is bliss. And so it's easier, like... If I don't know the truth, I don't have to live out yeah. the truth. And then then you'll have some people say, well, what's it matter? It doesn't change the mission that we're on today. And it's like, you're absolutely right. It doesn't change it. But I think it definitely fuels it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, like, if you're really going to know what's going to happen here, if, if you truly believe it, it should fuel our passion and our zeal for unto the Lord yeah. in our mission right now. Yeah. And, and so, no, it doesn't change it, but I think, um, I think it should intensify it or bring us to, uh, I guess, another level of, of zeal for the Lord in it. So those are kind of the three main, you know, some I've, I've read like, oh, it's all just poetry. I've heard that, but that's Mm -hmm. not even the writing genre that it's in. Yeah. There might be a little bit of poetry in it, but nothing, nothing big like that. So those are the three main like writing the genres and then also the three main ways that people interpret it. And so knowing that we could, we could have a preterist in our, in our congregation and, and great. would love to have you and, and study this through this. Um, and again, we're going to lay down and just let the word lead. And, and I think there's just too much that's telling us that these things that will take place that hasn't yet. And the time is near, like, um, I, I don't think it's been all completed. I think we're still waiting on a bulk of a lot of this to happen because even because with that preterist view, they would say John had to write in a very symbolic way to keep it under the scope of the Romans. So they wouldn't get the book and be like, Oh, they're talking about us. And so, and what they, they, they would say that, like, that's how John had to write. The problem is, is they have a hard time lining up the symbolic characters. Well, okay, who's this? Who's this? What's that part? Then what's this referring to? And that's where we kind of, that's where it really starts to crumble a little bit because there's a difficulty lining up the symbolism within that yeah. preterist type of point of view. So... Okay, last thing. I think last this would thing. be this go. would be a good uh, a good. Is your brain hurting yet? Is no, it, like I'm loving this. Th- right. This is great uh, for me, uh, and I think even uh, since this is kind of like Sunday, the, the introduction, um, because we are we're going to take a, a deep dive and really dive into some some messy things. Mm. Um, and so when we approach those things, there's this tendency to. Um, even if we want to lay those things down, they're so ingrained in us just to say, Oh, here's the ground rules. This has been 35 years of my life. (laughs) I'm not just going to lay you like, just because my pastor said, Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to lay it down. So how do we as believers, especially as we dive deeper into the book of revelation, when we come to something uh, that tends to have such strict guidelines, Mm -hmm. um, how do we, disagree with grace and love that doesn't make us um, naive to the fact that we need to have a theological construct and be able to defend it. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we don't run 
only to a theological camp and we circle the wagons and find every other person and biblical, you know, verse that backs that up. Like what's the happy medium? Because as you're talking, as you're talking earlier about, hey, lay down your favorite online pastor. Yeah. That's not to say the Holy Spirit hasn't, isn't talking to them nor could he be talking to you. Absolutely. But for us now, the tendency, especially in our culture, is to say, I like that personality. I'm going to identify with them Mm. more. But he disagrees with Nick. So now I disagree with Nick. But I've got no biblical... Like, how how do we, if we... Not if, let's just call it what it is. is. When we find ourselves, um, whether it's you and me, whether anyone listening in disagreement... And we feel very strongly, like you're going to feel very strongly, mm-hmm. that I don't necessarily line up with the preterist view. Yeah, I, I just don't think it's there. Yeah, someone else who may identify as preterist would say, "I, I, Pastor Nick, I, I disagree with you, and yeah. here's why. Where is what do we hold in tension, mm. and what is enough that we lay down to keep the main things the main things, and where's the line that we've we've laid too much down? No, that's good." Because here's the... And then season three will answer that after season two. No, And that's where we'll end season two. Yeah, we'll... we no, okay, so how do, we, how do we disagree? Because for me, in an unhealthy way, yeah. that, that's, how I, that's how I approached Revelation. In an unhealthy way, mm-hmm. I, whether it was disagreement or lack of understanding, just kind of shelved it. Yep. You know, because well, what if what if I disagree or what if I don't line up? Well, yep. we're, oh, well, I'll just set it and forget it. Yep. You know, kind of way. So, so number one, keeping the main things the main things like we talked about, Christ centered, listening to the Holy Spirit, um, and and don't be so naive to think that maybe the disagreements that we might have in and pretty much non essential. Yep. You know, like. If you say Jesus isn't returning, I'm going to lean a little bit more essential on that. Yeah. Um, but how the return happens, you know, exactly the, the, the timeline, probably more non-essential. And so so with that, um, don't be so naive or to overlook, could the Lord use this as an opportunity where we, let's just say me and you, or anybody, like when this happens, there's going to be a disagreement. Could he be using this as a training ground for us to be able to learn to disagree, uh, something that our culture is not doing well at all, where we disagree. And they say they're doing it. Exactly. You know, so in our our world, if you disagree, that means you, we hate each other and we want nothing more than the depths of hell to take over your life. Um, I think there might be another way. And so if the Lord is, could he be using this where we could approach topics and discussions where we're probably going to disagree, but we're going to walk away in harmony? Uh, is he using this as a training ground for it? Because if we can do that within the body, is he going to use that for something outside of the body? And in the body should be easier. Yeah. And so outside the body. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I use the line when we talk about serving in the church, like serving in the church should be the training ground to serve outside of the church. You can't do it inside the walls. You sure as heck aren't doing it outside the walls. You know, and we can say all day long, oh yeah, I am. No, you're not. Okay. So, and and then think too, like we have seen the Lord use sharp disagreements before Paul and Barnabas, (laughs) you know, there were sharp disagreements. 
to the effect that they couldn't continue in ministry together, um, I, don't, I don't think we'll get there. Which, side um, note, I, I feel like so many times that we just kind of skip over that. Yeah. You know, like... You, there was a separation, like, hey, yeah. you go your way, I'm going to go mine. Yeah. And even Paul to say at that point, like, we are not taking John Mark with us. And then later in Paul's ministry, what does he say? Hey, go get John Mark. He's useful to me. You know, there's always hope in redemption. Mm-hmm. Like, And so, but we do need to be wise. We need to be, uh, uh, I think, faithful to to the Lord and how we deal with one another, um, where it's not, unity isn't about, disagreeing or not disagreeing. Unity is, I'm, I am more concerned about, uh, you as a person than Mm. my theological stance. I'm more concerned about the Lord and his glory and, and, and the worship that he is due than making sure I am right. Mm. Cause at the end of it, like, let's just call it what it is. It's pride. Yeah. That if we allow these disagreements within our theological thing, like this is just a straight up pride issue. Yeah. And the last being that really struggled with pride uh, fell from heaven, and mm. we call him Lucifer, mm. right? And so we, so how are we going to approach, okay, Nick, I just disagree with you. Beautiful. I'm just going to ask you a couple things. One, just be open. Yeah. Just be open to the conversations. If anybody wants to meet with me because they disagree with me, I'm absolutely open to meet with anybody and everyone yeah. about any topic, let alone revelation, or if they disagree with anything about Calvary, I would love to have the conversation. And I've had conversations like that. I've had people disagree with the direction that Calvary is going. Um, one couple, uh, they walked into my office, and I uh, later learned uh, that they wanted to tell me, hey, we're done, and we will no longer be fellowshipping together in this. At the end of the conversation, I think they walked out some of my biggest fans and and they've been a part of the body ever yeah. since. And I love that. Now, is there still uh is there still preference issues? Well, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and we're going to be we're a church of Abraham, Isaac, Jacobs and Josephs. You know, just that full generational kind of spectrum, we're going to have different preferences. Even our uh preconceived ideas of revelation, there's going to be a spectrum in it. But the the mission of the church, the goal of the body, it, it does not negate. So uh, let's say you, you are a, a preterist or a futurist, or you, you're looking at this as the, it is more that historical church age type thing. Okay. How w- w- there's no theological stance that changes what we are called to do. Mm, yeah. But, is there fruit at the end of this? Well, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the part that we have to lean into instead of, because um, a lot of times when we as Christians disagree with uh, other people, especially our world, one of the things that we love to do is just take our ball and go home, right? So Absolutely. So we, I we, win. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we think. We think we win. Or you're not playing the game because yeah. I have the ball. Exactly. So us as little kids at the playground, this is my ball. Nobody can play with it. I'm leaving. And you take you take your ball and you go home. Well, what you lose in doing that is the ability to speak into the game. Mm. And so many times Christians take their ball and they go home and we forfeit our voice into the world around us. And then we go back home, we look out the window and we look at the world around us and we criticize it, that it's not living by cult- Christian values and mission and purpose and fulfill whatever, you know, and it's yeah. like, it's because you took your ball and you went home. So how do we, in a Christ-centered way, disagree? Uh, one, it's always understanding where we can't 
disagree. Yeah. We, yeah. we cannot disagree on who Christ is. We cannot disagree on the call that he has. We cannot disagree on our approach to handle and to treat one another in our disagreements, yeah. right? And so, but, I mean, conflict is good. Iron sharpens iron. And, and, and conflict has to be two things uh, against each other at times. And that's good. There's, there's times we need conflict and it might be one of these like, Hey Nick, could I sit down with you and talk through some of this? Absolutely. And there might be something good there that I need to look into more or a lot of times, cause I only get 35 minutes on a Sunday morning, you know, Oh, you said this. Well, you know, sometimes I might say a little something that I really, you know, yeah. if I could have took five more minutes to word it better. True, but I also don't want to just read uh, a, a, a letter that I wrote to the church. Like, I want to have a conversation. Yep. Well, how many times do we walk away from a conversation like, you know what? I could have said that better. You know, like even Sunday, time. I think one of the services, I said something, and it, when I was reflecting back on I said something to the, the hope of God. And I meant more like our hope in God. Not that God has hope in us, like, oh, there's my, oh, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and I, it's like, ah, eh, there could have been a better way that to say yeah. that. But if you, if you take that one little line out and uh, blow it up and come running in here and be like, what are, you, what are we talking about there? Like, God's not, it's like, stop, you know? And so we, we can disagree and it's going to be okay um, and walk through it. Cause I think a lot of times it's uh, uh, once I'm able to explain if somebody's disagreed with me, this has happened a few times. It happens. If I can explain myself a little bit more, uh, especially in the relational con- yep. context of it all, uh, that helps to give a lot of understanding. And I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, uh, pretty thick book, um, uh, great people in the congregation. You want to lead well, like it's a little nerve wracking at times as well, yeah. you know? And so I think it's just, the same way we would disagree about anything else. Take your um, ball and go home. You take your ball and go home. Yeah. You know, cause you know, Paul was writing in the end of Romans about Christians that disagreed about different things. And, and he even said, you know, don't be a stumbling block. Yeah. Don't, you know, if, if you know, your brother is struggling with that, don't rub it in his face. Yeah. You know, like if, if there's somebody out in the audience is an all millennialist, I'm not going to bash them Yeah. either. You know, like let, uh, uh, it's kind of crazy. A lot of us want respect. Oh, you got to respect me. And it's like, well, how about we show a little bit of respect? And so I think as we walk through some of these where we are going to disagree, well, that doesn't mean we get to be disrespectful. Yeah. You know, and now again, if one, if we took that same concepts to the things that we disagree with the world around us and it's like, man, those Christians, I, I do not believe what they believe but they're stinking nice. They're really hard to dislike. Yeah. Yeah. They're very respectful in how they approach. Like I've never had one mistreat me. I mean, that, that technically should be our testimony. Not our testimony. That is not our testimony though. And again, so is this an opportunity for us, uh, in a sense of a training ground to say like, Hey, let's biblically disagree. Yeah. You know? And, and at the end of the day, uh, I think whichever camp people are in, just asking for for an openness to the word, not an openness to my opinion, yep. but like it, it would be different if it's like, okay, here's Revelation, but I want to preach out of this book that some guy wrote about his understanding of the book. Yeah. We're just going to read the book. Yeah. We're going to read Revelation. We're going to walk through it, try to show where there is some of those differences. And at times we're just going to have to say, I don't know. And that's okay. 
Like, and again, definitely let's not, you know, if we're going to disagree, but let's not divide over things that we maybe are not the most a hundred percent sure yeah. about. Yeah. And that's the other key yeah, yeah. too. Like, um, one of uh, my professors, Dr. Miller, hope you're doing well. <laughs> Dr. Keith Miller at Calvary University, who's my Old Testament professor amongst other classes, really appreciated him. But he had this thing, when do you fight? And it was a graph that he drew up. And so we're in the middle of some class, and I don't know how he brought it up, but he did. He goes, this is when you fight. And he drew a graph. And on the the top side of it, he says, how much do you know that you're right? Zero to 10. How much do you know you're right? And then at the bottom, zero to 10, how important is the issue? So how important is the issue? How much do you know that you are right? And so we are talking about the Word of God. Pretty important issue, right? Pretty important issue. Pretty important, yeah. Now, uh, is Jesus God? Very important Mm -hmm. issue. Um, uh, And then I make the joke because I use this in a few different uh, ministry things. Uh, I tease that uh, my wife, uh, toothpaste. How do you get toothpaste out of the tube? Do you push toothpaste from the end forward or do you grab it like a gorilla in the middle of the tube and just leave it all crumpled up for the next person behind you? I I grab it like a gorilla. Oh my goodness. Hold on, hold on. I grab it like a gorilla. And then when it's when I do that and nothing comes out, then I start rolling hmm. from the bottom and get every ounce. And then, then I cut off. You're the, partially saved. Then okay. I cut off the top and I stick my, <laughs> to get oh the last little, little bit out bit of it. You know, so I always push the toothpaste from the end of the tube towards the nozzle. Other people in my household are going to go unnamed, grab it like a stinking gorilla. And then it's like, are you serious right now? Now, is that an important issue? Very important issue, according to Nick. I think of Nick, it is to you, buddy. But in the grand scheme of things, not an important issue. Not a hill right? to die on. Now, do I know I'm right? Oh, I am absolutely right. There is only one correct way to get toothpaste out of the stinking tube, and it is to be pushing it from the end and kind of considering to I'm be right, other people but in your house. It's not important. Exactly. Now, and so with some of these things, we're going to be talking about important issues, but how much do we know that we're right? Mm. You know, and yeah. so we're going to have to weigh that. And it's like, I don't know how how much i'm right in this and that's where we need to tread lightly and especially when it's going to hit non-essential issues and we don't know we're for that right Not the yet. only time we fight or we're going to argue we're really going to take a hard stance is when it's a really important issue and i've done my research and i know that i know that i'm right that's and and that's actually a a, uh, a lot uh, a vast minority yeah than what we really want to believe I always just say when I get to heaven, I know that the Lord's going to be like, dude, you got that so wrong. Oh, yeah. You were so off. Yeah. Thanks for trying. There you go. There you go. And and I think, too, not only, you know, I'm hoping that our approach to Revelation in the sense of like, hey, not just the fullness of the word, but even the fullness of the understanding in it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and, and I could see maybe at the end of the book, we'll talk about that. Like, okay, what's essential? What? What can you not give up in? Yeah. And what are non-essential that could say, you know, uh, melody, we need essential. You know, Jesus is Christ. Absolutely. He's the Messiah. He is God. Uh, what's non-essential? And and where can we, melody, when can we have harmony and say, there you go. Yeah. Now, if you line up anywhere, great. And you can fellowship here and we love you. And we're going to move forward in the mission that God has for us. And if anything, you know, it might not move anybody's camp. But I think the Holy Spirit will do a work in us to say, um, but how does he move us in approaching other people that mm. maybe don't come from our camp? Yeah. Because if we can do it in little things like the book of Revelation with 
brothers and sisters in the body, could the Lord not use this as a training ground so that we could adequately, effectively, fruitfully, um, and in a way approach worldly topics yeah. that don't agree with us, but we can do it in a way that, uh, preserves this same testimony mm. of Jesus. Yeah. So there was a study by Barna Research, David Kinnaman, still waiting for you to be a follower. Um, <laughs> come on, David. Yeah, come on. He's the CEO of all that business. But they asked non-Christians, they asked, let it be agnostic, atheist, whoever. They just said, non-Christians, what is your view of Christians? And the high, top three things, and 85 to 90% of all of them said um, they are judgmental, mm. they are hypocritical, and they are anti-gay. That is, that is the testimony that non-Christians see from people in the church. And this study is, oh man, I'm old. This is probably a good 15 years old. Oh, wow. So I'd love to see the updated yeah. numbers, right? Um, They're not good. Sweeping change, but... <laughs> They've only gotten worse. Yeah, top 85, 90% of everybody non-Christian that they interviewed, and they're not interviewing like four people. And, no, they, they do their work. They, they yeah, are yeah. reputable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that is, that is some high numbers you know, judgmental, hypocritical, um, and anti-gay. But when you look at Jesus and what did the oppressed, the broken, the sinner, the tax collector, what did they say mm. about Jesus? That's the testimony that we should go after. Mm. So if anything, if we never move anybody out of a different camp, could the Lord use something that usually is very divisive and teach us a better way to approach division and if we could do that in the church, imagine if the church united to be able to do that in the world around us so that we would maybe listen to other people that have different values. Not that it's going to change our camp, yeah. but how many times do people just want to feel heard? Yep. And even feeling heard, they feel loved. And when they feel heard and they feel loved, sometimes and respected, they might even return the favor and say, help me understand yeah. your point. You know, And it's almost like, hey, there's an opportunity for the grace and the love and the mm. mercy of Christ to go forward. That's good. You know, instead of like what I said Sunday, we want to be uh, this royal prophet where we speak for God to the world and bring judgment and condemnation mm. when we're really called to be a royal priesthood where we identify with sinful humanity and we're bringing humanity to Jesus. And so, yeah, we're called a royal priesthood, not a royal prophet. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's a great place to end episode go. one. Thanks so much for, uh, for sitting down. Coffee. Yeah, we're going to need to top off the coffee. Thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of season two. I'm excited for uh, where we're headed in the days and weeks and months and <laughs> years to come. No, it's only good. we're going to be in Revelation probably to the end of November. Everybody's like, oh, wow, you're going to work. I mean, it's a pretty good sized book. You're going to work through that. Like we're, we're biting off a little bit more um, per uh, passage. We're going to be preaching through. Yeah. So, you know, instead of like, oh, we're going to spend three weeks on each seal. Now we're probably going to move it along a little bit. So we're not, this isn't like the next four years of our life. Definitely not the next four years. Okay. Of well, our at least life. definitely the, the next weeks and months. And, you know, depending on how this goes, we might just say, guys, we were thinking about Revelation. What were we thinking? <laughs> we weren't. Yeah. We made a terrible. What is going on? Let's go to an easier <laughs> book here. Oh, man. Which I don't know which one. I don't know easier. where you're going after yeah. that. Uh, well, hey, do us a favor if you could, if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. Or if you're not subscribed to wherever you're listening to this uh, on podcast, 
uh, platforms. Do that. It helps us out. And rate and review us. Uh, share with your friends. Not that we're out trying to make a name. I think this this really could be something that is game changer. Um, not to move people, like you said, from camps. But I think the Lord has something for us walking yeah. walking through Revelation as he reveals himself to us as we study through a book that is mm-hmm. usually highly controversial, yep. very misunderstood, um, but widely known and talked about. So we will be back next week for episode two of The Breakdown as we dive even deeper into Revelation. We'll see you guys next week. Have a great week, everybody.